Welcome to the Illuminate Faith Podcast. My name is Dave Exley. I'm Isaac Mundy. And I'm Doug Peck. My name is Kenji Marui. And my name is Sarah Grady. And we are here at Under the Volcano in London, Ontario. And if you hear some Latin music in the background, it's because we've just had some wonderful Mexican food, some nachos and things. Uh, and uh, so we're here gathered um, in the midst of a lot of changes that are going on within our own denomination, the United Church of Canada. And uh, so we just wanted to have a, uh, a church discussion about uh, just what's you know, waiting for us in the future as we uh, restructure, as uh, new possibilities emerge uh, for our denomination. Um, there's a lot of conversations that are happening around that. And so we wanted to take some time uh, with a conference president and with a, uh, a presbytery uh, chair to discuss all of those things. And so as we uh, look forward to that, uh, those changes that we're making within the church. I'm wondering, um, what are you seeing as new possibilities? We'll kind of go around the table and see what, what excites you about this, these possibilities that exist uh, on the horizon for us as we restructure and change. And uh, we know that some, a lot of this stuff is up in the air right now, uh, but uh, I know that a lot of the discussions are around uh, those possibilities that exist for us. Yeah, if you are, if you consider yourself a church nerd, this is an episode for you. Uh, Kenji Marui, uh, of course, uh, is our, our London Conference president at, at uh, in, in the United Church of Canada, and, and we've got Sarah Grady, Presbytery president. They they have the experience. We we've often talked on this show about how the church is changing. Uh, but in this show, we get to dive into how the larger church is changing. When you hear the church in the news, it's it's a collection of churches uh, making decisions very often. And, and there's a presence uh, that, that we can be as a wider church. It's not just congregational stuff. So we're so, so excited, uh, Kenji and Sarah, to have you both with us today and, and just talk about some of those big changes that are happening. Uh, first of all, Isaac, do you maybe want to uh, just give a little education to uh, our listening audience? You know, we, we, we're going to throw around a lot of funny words here. We're going to give you a little glossary first. What's a presbytery? What's a conference? Uh, what is all this stuff that uh, we're getting into today? I'm going to break it down for you here, Doug. <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, like in the United Church, we've got a lot of different groups of people hanging out together. We've got... Uh, chilling, com- yeah, maybe? Chilling, <laughs> maxing, relaxing, all cool. And um, th- we have our congregations that are uh, what a lot of people experience uh, and and know of as, as the church and kind of firsthand experiences in terms of, you know, people show up for Sunday, they do different committees and, and uh, uh, hopefully love Jesus along the way. Um, also, presbyteries, conferences, and our United Church uh, General Council also love Jesus. Um, they come together. Um, we have different representatives from our church. Usually they're kind of uh, a small uh, region where people gather together, make different decisions, do oversight. Then there's another bigger one called conferences where all those people gather together. Usually they meet once a year, sometimes even every couple years, um, depending on how lucky they are. Uh, and then the general council sort of oversees all of that. And kind of all of that came together, I think, um, because you know we, when we started up, we united, a bunch of different churches united, and we had all these different systems. And we thought, let's try and put them all together and see if that's going to work. And uh, so that's why we have presbyteries, conferences, uh, and kind of everything in between. And now, uh, uh, perhaps we could get... Uh, Reverend Kenji Marui to to discuss how this structure is looking to change for the United Church over the next little bit. 
Uh, maybe a brief history of that. A brief history. Well, I think the the long and short of the story is there's a question before the church right now as to whether we might not collapse presbyteries and conferences, uh, two separate bodies into one uh, hybridized sort of larger region that would do the do the pieces about uh, looking after churches, looking after ministers and uh, education fellowship, uh, support for one another, all of that. So that's, that's I guess, the big structural change that's uh, before the church now. But the way that the church is organized is, is such that a decision can't be made by the national body without it first being uh, vetted or or approved by every congregation and every presbytery. So uh, those bodies need to remit their responses, which is um, what the a lot of these churches are doing now in uh, in these weeks and months to come before uh, the deadline, which is uh, in June, I believe. So this is big changes going on in all these little United Churches across the board. Well, I would say that it, it sounds like big change, but for the average Joe the plumber in the pew, I, I don't necessarily know that there's going to be a noticeable difference because these changes talk about uh, larger bodies or, or, or systems that operate for, for congregations, but, but certainly many in the congregations don't have the awareness that they exist or are in in play or in force and so i who's to who's to say what difference the uh, the regular sunday attend or the the occasional christmas easter churchgoer will recognize or understand like w- what the change might be and and uh thank you kenji we're, we're so privileged to have a a uh, i love this notion of you know how will it change for joe the plumber in um uh, and it's 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 funny you should bring up Joe the plumber. We have five Joe the plumbers in in my congregation, uh, and and we often have to refer to them as Joe T or or Joe M. Uh, and uh, of course, Joe and the plumber yeah. too. I mean, <laughs> Joe, let, yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, but uh, but um, that's uh, I, I think that's a very calming thing for a lot of uh, d- general church people out there to think of that you know my Sunday m- morning experience isn't going to change that much, and th- and then a good chunk of people. Who, who go to those Sunday morning experiences do like to be a part of their local uh, groupings of, of churches that, that we call presbyteries. And, and, uh, and, and we're so fortunate to have uh, Reverend Sarah Grady with us, who, uh, who's uh, Oxford Presbytery uh, uh, president currently. Um, Sarah, do you want to comment on, on uh, the, the changes that are coming to presbyteries and what, what that might look like and what the, the new opportunities might be? I would love to comment on that. Um, From what I've seen so far, I mean, it won't affect congregations, certainly, um, in the same way. But presbyteries, I mean, they're used to meeting certain times of year, so this will look differently. And we've been doing some dreaming in Oxford Presbytery. We started, even last year, doing some dreaming. If this doesn't look like it does right now, what are the possibilities for the future? Um, And along the way in doing that, we've discovered we actually like each other. (laughs) And when we come together for some of that dreaming and visioning piece, I see the excitement around um, hearing about what other people are doing. And so that's kind of the possibility of what we're looking 
looking at in the future? How do we share resources? How do we share networks and really great ideas and help each other to make them happen? Um, that doesn't necessarily happen right now. We have all this business to do before us when we come to Presbytery, but what could it look like if we just came together uh, for visioning and dreaming and creative ideas about how to do ministry in 2017, 2018, 2019? You know, we're in a, a different time and place than when a lot of these practices were put into play and so I think it's a good thing that we are looking at them now whether remits pass or don't pass it's given us the opportunity to reflect on the things that work for our church as it is now and the things that definitely do not work so I'm excited about some of the possibilities that I hear um, within our own presbytery. I mean, in May, we've got a barn dance that we're going to do as part of our presbytery meeting. That's exciting. That's fun. We're going to do some business, but we're also going to have some fun together and enjoy the collegiality, not just amongst clergy, DLMs, diaconal ministers, but also our lay representatives who come and take part uh, in the meeting and sort of learn about the inner workings of the church. And we want to hopefully have that continue. Um, at our remit discussion last night, I think one of the really interesting pieces that was highlighted for us as we discussed the one order of ministry is the lack of understanding for the average person in the pew um, or the person, the occasional worshiper, the c and &E Christians, <laughs> um, about what a minister is and th what their educational background is. For the majority of people, if you're preaching a good message from the pulpit and people are getting what they want out of church, they don't care how your training came to be. They care about who you are and whether you're taking care of them. So there's also some of that discussion going around for our presbytery that we're really um, examining. How can we move forward into a future? Maybe uh, the one order of ministry isn't everything that everybody wants it to be, but it's kind of a step in the right direction of moving into a future that's full of possibilities and what those possibilities are, who knows, but that's what the word's all about, right? So it's certainly an exciting time for uh, for church polity geeks. <laughs> we can say that, <laughs> but I'm I'm wondering, uh, you know, you guys have you know heard people share, you know, whether it be frustrations or excitement about uh, this time uh, in the church. Thinking ahead to maybe a decade from now, if we were to look back and say, "Oh, we made the right choice. We're headed in the right direction." What things do you imagine will be happening within the church um, as far as changes from you know our current reality? Um, what, what do you think might be happening if we were to look back, uh, if we were to look ahead 10 years and then be looking back and saying, wow, that was a successful uh, thing that we did? Well, I think just uh, success is going to look differently. I, there, there is maybe a, a misconception that these structural changes that we are about to make as a church, as a d national church, will save the national church. And uh, in all honesty, I, the, the time for that salvation was about 20 years ago when we missed the boat or we were unable to act upon, upon that. So um, my, my, my presentation of these changes is that this is our best way as a national church to bounce back from the spiraling decline of churches and membership and influence in society and all of that um that we're in the thick of it and we're just gonna have to ride it out and see how that uh that goes uh i predict a smaller church uh a more but a more nimble church and and i might even say you know a more faithful church in the sense that the people that we have involved in the church want to be part of the church they're there uh 
because there's a calling, that there's um, real engagement as opposed to the 1950, the golden age of church where church was the center of society and if you wanted to belong in society, then you had to go to church. I mean, that, as we're seeing, is not going to be the case moving forward. So um, the people that want to be there, then I anticipate will be more engaged, more active, more... Uh, more energetic in in living out in, in living out their faith and maybe seeing it less as a social norm and an actual lived reality. One of the things that you said there that I that I really think is important is to think about. Um, and a light bulb went off over my head. If you didn't see that, um, <laughs> you you talked about in the, in the future we, it'd be a smaller church, and I think that uh, as we ponder the reality, I think there are some that perhaps think we need to do something now to ensure that that we grow as a church. So ten years from now, we're looking ahead and saying, "Look, we have more people than we had in in 2017." Uh, but perhaps this what needs to happen. <clears throat> within this whole process is not a, uh, a, a desire to want to grow uh, from a numbers standpoint, but a, a desire to want to strengthen what we have. And, and if that means strengthening a smaller uh, church, whether it be ind- individual congregations or the denomination at, uh, as, as a larger whole, um, I think that that's a key thing for us is that we be, accept the fact that, yeah, we are going to be small and how might we be strengthened within that smallness, if that makes any sense. Um, I, I'm reminded of, of the sort of image of, of just somebody downsizing their house. You know, your, your kids are gone. You, you don't need a four or five bedroom house anymore. Uh, all of a sudden, you, you know, your kids have their own life and, and, you know, a couple in their, in their mid sixties, early seventies says, you know, let's, let's get a little bungalow somewhere. And all of a sudden the, the energy, the strength that comes from that and, the, the permission granting, the owning it, and, and just to, all of a sudden the, the new abilities that are possible when you're not putting a bunch of excessive energy into uh, your, your previous way of doing things. It's, um, there, it's uh, Kenji, you're, you're presenting a, a model that, that sounds like energy is to come should we do this. Well, I mean, it connects to that model or that, that concept of the emergent church, I think that Phyllis Tickle and others were, were trotting out uh, a few years ago. It's a little passe now, but uh, the, the idea that every 500 years the church reinvents itself, it, it has a rummage sale, it gets rid of the excess and, and the extra and, and holds on to what it really values and treasures and and moves forward from there. So like big disruptions that change the entire um, way that, uh, that faith is expressed and lived. So... It certainly feels like we're in the middle of such a time now. I was kind of wondering, like, in terms of, so we're in the midst of kind of this flux, and it's kind of hard to say what it's going to look like in the future. But uh, do you two, as, like, uh, El Presidente's, uh, in terms of, like, all the power, right, is, like, changing all the power structures. But, like, in some ways, you're kind of in these roles where people are looking to you, and, like, traditionally they have been, uh, uh, like, positions of, of power, like, how does how does that feel or what is that like in terms of uh, like like how, how are we supposed to live in terms of authority as ministers, as uh, a president of uh, presbytery, as presbytery, uh, as a president of conference or things like that in the midst of all of this change? Like or, or do you kind of feel like you're just sort of like I'm going to chair a meeting and <laughs> that's all good and that's all good. But I just I'm, I'm interested. 
It's certainly been an interesting time to work through uh, remits and be part of the leadership portion of, of that. Um, what I was sort of thinking of as we were going around, and this may be aside from your question, but when I was thinking about the exciting things that we'll see 10 years from now, I think we've started right now um, in doing things like our apologies and living into right relations and making those the focus and forefront of what we're doing. And I sort of see that organically happening in our presbytery meetings, and it means that I don't have to be a person who sits in a position of power because it feels like we're doing that work all together. I feel like that power has shifted from that perception that I'm the only one, you know, to be up at the front doing everything to we're all working together to do this. And that's the way it, it should be. But I know that historically it has not always felt that way. There's always been this perception, um, you know, for the minister even. You're in the pulpit, you do everything. It's You're the one who does all the leadership roles. But we really try and should be striving in our congregations to empower other people too and I really feel that happening more strongly than ever right now particularly what I'm noticing in our presbytery and even our conference Kenji and I just came from planning um, some conference worship and his theme that he chose for this year is to reconcile and make new and it's going to be a really powerful way to reconcile what our past has looked like um, in the United Church of Canada and how we can renew or make new the things that we hold on to and the basis of who we are and the fundamentals of who we are, but how do they look in this time and place? And I think that we've put some of those gears in motion for it to look as it, you know, be our best self in 10 years or a better version of ourself. I don't know <laughs> which you want to go with, but uh, in terms of the power, I see that it has shifted certainly to a, we're in this together, not I'm here telling you what to do kind of a, a leadership role. I don't know if you felt that as a conference. Well, I think, well, thank you, chair. <laughs> I think, um, I, th I think part of it is just personality and natural inclination to be more collaborative. I, I think I see a lot of that in, in my peers and in my colleagues that, uh, and mirrored in society too, as, as we get more, um, multicultural as as we are more open to recognizing the validity and truth and value in other people's stories and recognizing their the gifts of leadership in other spheres or in other ways that we aren't used to i think it's i think it behooves us to embrace and work collaboratively and cooperatively and collectively and, and share power uh we know far too often and far too well what happens when power is consolidated in too few uh, into too few hands and uh, big or small Mr. Trump and uh, <laughs> just um, <laughs> sorry it just it just came out there it's timely timely yes but uh, but I, I think I, I think that's the way forward is I, and I think I, I see that in in my kids and in in uh, in in the world that yeah, your story is different than mine, but it's no less true. It's no less valuable, and we've got to come together on this, um, whether it's yeah, nations outside of Canada or nations within Canada, cultures and populations. We can't go it alone. The, we're certainly, as we look at um, you know these remits that are going in and uh, uh, votes that are happening, and it, it, there's a lot of focus on the structural side of our church. But what I'm hearing is that there seems to be you know this hope that it will have a deep impact on the missional side of who we are. And so I'm wondering what this might do um, 
in an ideal you know world how might this have an impact positively on us from a missional uh, sense of, of who we are as the church I mean do you think I mean I, my sense is that the the structure that we currently are under right now is really uh, zapping us you know a lot of ministry staff and lay people um, leaving us with not much as far as missional imagination um, so I, I wonder how this might affect us from a missional standpoint. I feel like society has become a missional society beyond the church, and maybe we're the ones that need to catch up with them. <laughs> the missional a, imagination is out there. It, it all is. Over. I see it all over, all over social media. You know, this random act of kindness, pay it forward kind of idea. The millennials, they have it. They have an idea. I've often looked at people who don't go to church on a Sunday morning and think you're doing a better job at being a Christian than I am sometimes, you know, like they're doing it. Um, and that's sort of become a culture that's happening organically outside of what we're preaching in the church on a Sunday morning. So I, I feel like maybe we're getting a bit on board with that now with what we're doing, that more creative energy around the missional side of of God's church and it's something that we moved away from unfortunately when we got bogged down in the polity and the getting the pew people in the pews on Sunday morning when we got sort of more business-like than um, creative and letting the spirit uh, be at work but that can happen and so I think this is the time to examine and to reconcile and make new (laughs) yeah I got it putting a plug in for you there Kenji and it's happening all around us. So I think that it's a good, great time to tap into the energy of what's happening outside of the church and how do we be a part of that? Because as we know, <laughs> the secular and the sacred are farther apart than they've ever been. And there is more secular than sacred these days. So I think we just need to tap into what's already happening in society organically. So. Sarah, I really like hearing what you're saying here. That <laughs> it, it, it sounds like yeah. you're affirming that there is a ripe missional atmosphere out there it's it's just there for us to drop our baggage and 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 tap into it It, um when i hear this hope coming from dropping uh some of this uh, excessive baggage at what uh, of polity and and structure um i'm also in my head imagining and envisioning and and sensing uh that what might also get dropped is some of the guilt and some of the shame that current churches feel for not being that magnificent church of the 50s and 60s. That's a lovely image to just leave that millstone aside. I I think structurally there needs to be enough in place to support and coordinate the many missions that uh, we might undertake. Uh, Like like there has to be a, a gathering place or a holding place of information to kind of coordinate people's efforts uh, to avoid, I don't know, avoid duplication or, or offer support and resources. Um, but I, I don't think we need all the hoop jumping and hand holding that has kind of been in locked, locked in and entrenched in the many levels of uh, committees and subcommittees and, and task groups and such that uh, we we have gotten rather infatuated with and I think that's kind of a bleed through of corporate culture that we're starting to recognize in the church that doesn't really belong with us 
This has been great, I think, to uh, to have an opportunity just to, to think about where we're headed, where we're, where are we right now, and uh, and hopefully <laughs> this uh, creates a spark for uh, for individuals. I know it has for me uh, to tap into that missional imagination and, and, and where we're headed. And so uh, thank you uh, to, uh, to Kenji and to Sarah for uh, spending some time with us and, and uh, enjoying some good Mexican food with us as well. <laughs> and uh, um, I guess we'll, uh, we'll leave it at that and uh, hope to to uh, check back in with you perhaps at some point after uh, the uh, remits have gone through and we're kind of living into uh, that new reality and uh, looking ahead to where we're headed from here. So so 10 years from now. Yes, exactly. Got it. It's a date. We'll be back here <laughs> under the volcano. <laughs> Thanks so much, guys, and we'll, uh, we'll check in with you and uh, hope everyone out there has an illuminated day.